Blog Talk Radio. Show right here on Caveman Radio Network. I'm your host, John. We'll be with you until 10 o'clock tonight. My God, do we have a lot to get to. It was a hell of a weekend. Hope you guys had a good Labor Day weekend. But my God, was there a lot of wrestling going on, especially on August 31st. But let me bring on the cast of characters. Cruz, Jeremy, how are you guys doing? I'm doing all right, John. How are you? Yeah, doing, doing okay. Jeremy, how about you? Same here, buddy. How you doing? Yeah, okay, I guess. Was Good to hear from you, Jeremy. Weekend? Yes, yes. Completely, completely agree. Was there a wrestling this weekend? <laughs> there was a lot of wrestling this last week. Yeah, I would think so. We just came off probably one of the biggest Saturdays. Actually, before we even get to that, I do want to make a quick programming note. At 8.30 tonight, Dennis Farrell of the Wrestling Perspective Podcast will be joining us. He hosts a show with a with somebody who Cruz and I actually met in Vegas. We'll get all to that in about a half hour or so. But before we get into any of that, Jeremy, I know you were the one in charge of tallying up the points of how we did for the all-out prediction. So I guess have the big reveal now of who won. I can barely hear you, John. I'm going to try to call back in, okay? Okay. He's only doing that because he won. He just wants to gloat. <laughs> <laughs> he I just mean, wants Chris, to rub it in okay? and be special. I can hear you just fine, yeah. Okay. But yeah, he just wants to gloat. He just wants to okay go over and make sure that it's a grand entrance now. <laughs> <laughs> the winner of the oh. all out. <laughs> Speaking of that, okay, Jerry, can you hear me now? Not well, but do the best you can. Okay, that, that's weird. Okay, um, would you mind revealing to us who won the all-out predictions? Yes. What's that? Who, who won the all-out predictions? From oh, the, I did. From <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm not going to win all of them or the majority of them per se, but the first AW all-out and you guys have titled me the AEW correspondent, man. I had to deliver. <laughs> it was close. Cruz was pulling away in the beginning, and then I, I went on a run. Yeah. I think what did it to me was the Cody-Sean match. Because I think I was the only one who had picked Sean to win. Right. So I think that's what kind of did it to me. But, yeah, congratulations there. Mr. AEW. Mm-hmm. But, it was close. <laughs> yeah. It was fun. But, it was fun. Yeah, but let's go. Let's actually, we'll start off with All Out since that was the biggest event of that day. And let's start off with the main event. We'll start off with Jericho and Paige. 
Did you guys feel that match as you were watching Saturday night that it actually felt like a main event to you? Jeremy, we'll start with you on this. Yeah, of course it did, man. Chris Jericho, they're doing a great job with when he wrestles, he's got the big fight feel. They've set it up like that. They did a great job. Absolutely. I mean, Hangman came to the ring in a horse, on a horse, excuse me. That was awesome. Yeah, those two guys delivered. It was just a tough match to follow with the Bucks and Lucha Brothers. But, yeah, it, it definitely did, man. Cruz, I'll, say, I'll ask you the same question. Did it feel like you, like a main event? It felt like a main event to me. It, it definitely had the big fight feel, like Jeremy said. I think that Chris Jericho is just a phenomenon in the world of wrestling that he's just going to command that kind of attention. So, yeah. Okay, I, I'm going to have to actually disagree with both of you on this. Yes, it, okay. it, it, yes, it was the main event, but when I was watching it, it didn't feel like the main event to me. And unfortunately, it was because of the fact of the match they had to follow with the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers. I felt that if you had almost like a buffer match in between, then I think it would have come off more like a main event, but to me, it just it didn't have that main event feel to it, coming off of basically that's the bladder match, like I mentioned before. But now I'll throw this to you guys now. Since I mentioned before about the buffer match, if you guys were rewriting, let's say all out, what would what match would you put in between the Lucha Brothers Young Bucks and Hangman and Jericho? Cruz, we'll start off with you on this one. So John, respectfully, I don't believe in buffer matches. I believe the lower card matches and the more uninteresting matches should be at the beginning of the show. And I think as you progress throughout the night, each match should just get better in importance all the way up to the main event. So I expect the best match to come on last. I expect the second best match to come on before the main event. In the formula that has been used in boxing, in you know, professional wrestling, and any of these live performances that we see out there, you don't see... Uh, for instance, you don't see Motley Crue, then a buffer band, and then uh, I don't know, let's say whoever one of those 80s bands, uh, Metallica or something like that. So, I, I don't believe in it. Okay, Jeremy, what about you? By the way, Jeremy, can you hear me better? Not great, man, but I think the question, oh. you said the question was would I have kept it in that order of the matches? Yeah, basically. Yeah, absolutely. And I like that they threw a little curveball with Kenny and Pac going second. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because I remember I was even saying to myself, okay, we have this match. Now we're going to have this one. They had me invested knowing what was going to come after that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I never like how WWE always has that swing bout match where they have this one match that can go on first, second, third, fourth, second to last, or not at all. Or a throw-in match right before the main event. So I really like how they, they nailed it with match placement. Absolutely. I guess with me, the way I look at it is maybe buffer match isn't the right word to use. But you don't want to have a match, especially like we saw with the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks. To come off a match like that, I don't care who you are in this wrestling industry. You can be the greatest tag team of all time, or you can be some schlub tag team in, you know, Idaho somewhere. I can't say anybody can really come off after what we saw with the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks. 
So to me, I don't know if I would really say a buffer match, but maybe what I would have done if it was me, maybe you could have put the Pac Kenny match in between. I got to disagree with you, man. I think AEW is doing it where you have to step your game up. You're basically saying, well, this match was so good, so let's try to make it easier for the main event. Why do that? Pace and Jericho knew, all right, we better go out and deliver now because those four guys just put on a classic. Yeah, but the problem is, look at the crowd, though. To me, the crowd didn't seem so invested in that match. It's Chicago. I don't think that's an issue. Chicago is one of the most raucous, loyal crowds you'll ever find. I doubt they were drained going into the page match. No, I think they're distrained because of the fact that for at least a half hour, I don't know how long the Young Bucks match went for, that was basically on the edge of your seat type of wrestling. No, I like that AEW is doing this. You have to be on your toes. It's great. Oh, it, it, it's great. Don't the Bucks didn't have it easy fun. having to follow Cody and Spears. Let's not forget that. They put on a fantastic match. Oh, yeah, that's by the way, did you guys like the addition of Arn Anderson into that match? That was fantastic. Because, you know, <laughs> I, I didn't think, by the, the way... The guy still he, has a spine buster in him left. Good for him. That's what kind of surprised me. I, I, I figure I figure if this was WWE, we would have gotten, you know, on the first episode, we've had Arn Anderson versus Tully Blanchard. <laughs> but, but let's stick with the main event for one more second here. Let's talk about the news that actually came out after the main event with Chris Jericho losing the belt. It was actually reported earlier today that they actually found the belt again. Now, Jeremy, since you are, you know, you you knew exactly where that area was, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, that whole area? Uh, No, basically, he flew in privately, and if the story is what I hear it is, he went to a Longhorn Steakhouse restaurant, not far from where I used to live in Tallahassee. Uh, something with the driver, and he had the belt there, or it was a mistaken luggage. I mean, the story is just so weird why he wound up in Tallahassee in the first place when he lives in Tampa and he flies privately. Well, you, you thought so I was a little confused in the first place. I mean, I guess maybe with the storm in Florida, that could have impacted his travel going home. Um. But it was just weird. But, yeah, they, they had a whole thing today where they found the belt, and they're saying that uh, a person found it on the side of the road. Which to me seems kind of <laughs> odd, because wouldn't you think if you're on the road and you see a gigantic belt sitting there, you kind of, you know. And to me, the whole thing seems kind of odd. I mean, there are people, Jeremy, and I think you were the one who brought it up, that you thought it was a work, possibly. What's that? That you thought it was a work. No, because I know how Tallahassee Police Department is. Not that I've had arrests with them, but they don't mess around there. Oh, no, it's I, a small I, town. Yeah. Things travel quickly. It's it's one of those places. They're not you're one not, that would be a part of a joke like that. Nor would any police department because they get in big trouble for that. Oh no, I know, I know. But you weren't you weren't the only one because a few people thought it was a work. That's everybody's fan reaction as a wrestling fan. Everything's well, a work. When when Moxley yeah. got hurt, it was a work, and it was all for Pac. This is all a work. It, it just was a little weird that Jericho put out that video about it last night, basically joking about it. If I lost a $30,000 belt, 
and was the first ever champ, I probably would not be in a good mood about it. If it was, I don't know yeah, if he was told been... to do that video or not. Um, but AEW is always quick to to jump on the social media and do things. I mean, Cody's tweet was hilarious last night. The one where it was, I prefer Outback? Yeah, he prefers Outback. And Matt Jackson put <laughs> FFS. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it is what it is. It's not a work. I, I don't know what the story is. I don't know why he was there. I mean, I would laugh if I found out that uh, they were going to do a TV taping in Tallahassee all of a sudden. <laughs> well, wouldn't they have announced it, though, if they were doing a TV taping in Tallahassee? What's that? Wouldn't they have announced at this point if they were doing a TV taping in Tallahassee? I don't know. They've nailed most places so far, so I don't think they would yeah. go there as their first place in Florida. Yeah, but all right, let's let's get we we talked a bit about the main event now, and I want to talk about you know some of the other big matches. Let's go now to the bigger the ladder match, the the one that apparently is the blow-off match, which I did not know of beforehand. I didn't think that was going to be the blow-off match between the Young Bucks and the Lucha Bros. But what do, we, what do we think about that one? Jeremy, we'll start with you on this. Say that again? What about the... What, how, did I like the match? Yeah, what were your thoughts on the Young Bucks versus Lucha Brothers? I, 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 I'm so glad I went with what I thought when you guys asked me like <laughs> what I think will be the match of the night. I just said with these four guys and ladders... They are going to go all out, no pun intended. And did they ever? And that's why I, I do think it's the culmination of their story for now, and that's why it was proved even more when Matt Jackson said after the show, we're not going to have the AAA titles on TV. We're, we're not going to be chasing them on TV. It's about the AEW tag team titles. But that makes sense, though, because you're a new company. Complete. Yeah, it makes complete sense. But, Cruz, what about you? What are your thoughts on the ladder match between Young Bucks and Lucha Brothers. You know what, man? This was so good. I, I, I'm really having to search. Uh, I, I, would, I would only think that the uh, NXT TakeOver New York tag team match, Ricochet, Aleister Black against the War Raiders, and the Ring of Honor uh, main event with uh, the Gorillas of Destiny versus the Briscoe would even come close to touching how good this match was. So a contender for tag team match of the year, if not straight up match of the year. This was just phenomenal. Excellent. They delivered and then for a big night, big show, they came all guns blazing and they threw it down, man. And that crowd, man, how man, I wish I was there. They were so good. Yeah, I think what I would have done I well going back to what you're saying about you know, competing with other matches. I think another match you can throw in there to be, you know, possible contender for tag team title for tag team match is look at the fatal four way match we saw at G one between uh, you know, Villain Enterprises, uh, Briscoe's, uh, Girls of Destiny and I'm forgetting the fourth team right now. But those guys mm-hmm. they they nearly killed each other. And I wrote a few pieces about, you know, all out in the last couple of days for the website. And the way I described the match was they damn near killed each other in that match. That was scary, that match. Yes. I'm sorry, that last spot with Nick Jackson, I cringed. It did not go the way it was supposed to go. 
they need to calm down on these matches now at this point. Well, which they're which too valuable to the company. Are you talking about the Canadian Destroyer? Um, no, the, no, I'm talking about when Nick went off the ladder, supposed to go over the top rope onto the tables and hit the rope, and went oh, onto yeah, the table. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, and oh, that yeah. spot was similar to the one in Final Battle, very similar, but didn't go as good as the other one. I just and I scared, like, as a, as a fan of them, like listen, you proved your points, but you almost never made it to TV. Also, I, I don't know how I they were doing it. interviews after the show like that. Yeah, that's why I sound kind of surprising. No, my thing is, my if you want to talk about the scary spot in that match, go to the moment when was it when Nick Jackson was up on the ladder with Pentagon. So oh, Matt, this Matt. No, that was Matt. Okay, and you, you know what you're talking about—the Canadian destroyer through the table. Yeah, yeah, it was Matt. I, I saw. I was like, how that guy didn't have a broken neck at that after that. I thought it was was ridiculous. There was about four times in that match where you don't know how they were in the shape they were in after. Well, you should also say the same thing. I mean, it, I, it exceeded my expectations for what they would do in a match. Like, I'm still like, how are these four what guys is- okay? Well, I think the thing is also when you're when you've been wrestling as long as those guys have been, it's kind of in their blood already. But we could, I mean, you want to look at another match where I'm surprised the three guys didn't come out. You know, how how they came out alive is beyond me. Was a triple threat match. The you know the crackle barrel clash between Havoc, Darby Allen, and uh, Joey Janela. Oh, especially Darby. Yeah, how how he came out walking on his own. I was stunned. I know he's 22 and he's resilient and in good shape and can take, you know, a good bump. But another guy, slow down, buddy. Well, you heard the comment that JR, was it JR who said it on commentary? He's like, oh, I, I won't be surprised if these guys don't make it to 50. Thank you. I think that was the comment he said. He said, <laughs> so he so he was embellishing. Yeah, he was he was on fire the whole night. Oh he was dude, he must have had a Moscow mule and was ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever he did, I hope he keeps doing it. <laughs> I mean, he he had like wines of the night. I was sitting there. I'm like, does Jr. realize it's 2019? <laughs> oh, he my. had a good show. A good night. Oh, my God. <laughs> He needed I mean, I gotta it. Say, he, he took a lot of criticism uh, over the last few months, but enough is enough. It's good old JR. Yeah. We'll take him. And supposedly, from what I read, the team they had it all out is the team they're going to use at TV tapings. I think I think from what I read, it's, they're going to struggle in Shabani. Yeah, I thought Shabani was going to be. No, no, not from what I read. Oh, okay. From what I read, he's going to be helping with producing a lot, and he's going to almost Co- Tony become like, yeah. He's going to be on TV. But not every week, though. They said he is. I, I, they did it in Starcast. Oh, okay. Then I when I they did that panel, him and Jr. and they announced him being, uh, you know, signed, and he's like, Tony, do you want to tell him if you're going to be on TV or not? And he said, Hell, freaking yeah, I am. Oh, okay. And it's going to be those two in Excalibur. So then, what are they going to do with Golden Boy then? I'm sorry. Making more backstage. What are they going to do with Golden Boy then? Uh, I don't know. Put, 
you know, a lot of pre-show stuff for pay-per-views and all. There's this stuff for everybody, but their goal, as they said, is to groom Excalibur to take his game to the next level. Yeah, and the funny part is, my I was watching it with my dad Saturday night, and all my dad keeps asking me is, why does Excalibur have to have a mask on? That's his gimmick. That's what I said to him. I'm like, that, that's who he is. You guys have to realize, my dad comes from the old school mentality. He watched, you know, Bruno and Hulk and all those guys. So to him, watching... John, can you try to fix your reception a little bit, man? I'm I'm struggling to hear you. Yeah, let me... You guys talk for a little bit. Let me try to figure this out before our guest joins us in a couple minutes. Okay. So, Cruz, after the Bucks and and, uh, Lucha Brothers, what match had your attention the most? I... Well... If we're going to jump around on the card, I, I'm definitely going to say the Pac Omega match. I was, oh my good, I was in so much anticipation for that match because I knew they were going to give us something special, and they did. They gave us something really great. And the ending, oh my God, did they troll us? They did. I think the, inter, the, inter, the internet must have broken or something, man, because everybody, I mean, it was trending number one on Twitter. I'm, I'm sitting here and my phone is blowing up as I'm watching it and I can't I can't even react. I'm like, what happened? <laughs> no. That was the last thing you saw happening. Yes. I mean yes. I know you picked uh Pac. I did but I did not like that. <laughs> but did you Fight notice and, and tell me if I'm wrong, that it seemed like the guardrail was very close to the ring more than usual. And there were like two spots in that match where they almost got really hurt, those two guys. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't it the Pac? Um, it wasn't. Well, he did a move, a high flying move off the top, uh, off the top of the turnbuckle there. And I could have sworn that his chin or his ankle hit hit the barrier there. And yeah. I and, and I. I think I remember him holding his leg there, and I kept thinking to myself, oh, my goodness. So, you know, in New Japan, that's about the same distance that the guardrail is to the ring. Uh, WWE, I, I think, would be probably, I don't know, several feet more away. Right. I would hope that they go the WWE route and play it safe. We don't want to see uh, unneeded injuries just to get the crowd. Yeah, uh, I mean, at least for pay-per-views do that. Right, because like at least pay pay per views do that. Because on TV they're not going to take as big a spots as they will on pay per views. Yeah, yeah, you're right. There was one time Kenny hit it too, and he looked over yeah. like that wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah. All right, just something hear me better? that uh, oh yeah, yeah yeah. We still got about five minutes before our guest comes on, and we were talking about the uh, Pac Kenny Omega match. What well, was your opinion of the match did you like I, it I, I thought it was for what it was and the fact that they had very little time to build this match up being that with everything that happened with Moxley I was very surprised but again you guys were talking about the distance between the guardrail and the ring and I that was one of my issues with this match was you had two guys in this in this ring who were known for being high spot guys you cannot let them go outside the ring 
and do, you know, the spots they were doing when you have literally, like, no no room to move. It's easy to say that, but if you're Tony Khan, he's not going to go tell these two guys, oh, don't do this and don't do that and don't do this. By the way, Jeremy, can you hear me better? Not really, but I know you're trying. I'm trying. But... Yeah, no. I, I, the only thing I was surprised with that with that match was that it was number set. It was number two on the card. Nice swerve. Yeah, it was kind of an interesting swerve to say the least. I can't imagine if if it had stayed Omega Moxley that that would have been two. No. I think what they would have done then, if Moxley would never have gotten injured, I think we would have seen the Japanese women match. You know, Rihu. And Sheeta as the second match of the night. Could be. But remember, Kenny was probably the agent for that match. Yeah, probably. So I'm sure it was good for him to be done with his match so he could help with that match. Yeah. But no, I thought overall, though, I mean, I, I mean, I'll ask you guys this before our get before actually before that. Let's let's talk about we kind of briefly talked about Sean and Cody. I want to throw this theory past you guys. We saw Cody take on Dustin at Double or Nothing. We saw Cody take on Darby Allen at Fighter Fest. We saw Cody take on Sean Spears at All Out. What was the one similarity between all three of those matches? We forgot about Fight for the Fallen. No, 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 no. Well, he, he, he didn't have a singles match at Fight for the Fallen. Okay, they still had a match, but okay. Well. The three singles matches he had, what was the one thing very similar in all three of them? They were all awesome. Besides that. <laughs> what, were, what was it? They told a great story. It's what he does. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys think that Cody... But you know what, John? You know what, John? I have to interject here. When yeah. you are given, when you are allowed 15 plus minutes, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 22 minutes to go out there and tell a story, you are normally going to tell a very good story if, if they're given their experience too, right? This is... You know, I hate... I know that Jeremy always gets on me for talking about that company in Connecticut, but they... You, you see how they mess up by having their matches go three minutes long on TV and people are not satisfied. And I'm like, really, guys? Get these people 20 minutes to put on a story. We will tune in. And good that these guys are doing that. So Cody now is consistent with his storytelling. Excellent match. Correct. You oh, have no, to say I that he was doing that in Ring of Honor, too. He's going to be a – you know in the future. I can almost see it now. Cody versus Jericho for that belt. Oh, my God. Oh, oh yeah. take my money. Yeah, I can see that happening. But what, the point I was trying to get at before They've with Cody – They've already teased it, John. Oh, yeah. Well, the point I was trying to get at with Cody is is it, is it, is it wrong to say that Cody is becoming the dusty roads of AEW as far as being a good storyteller? But there's so many good storytellers there. I, I, Correct. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Kenny's I mean, one of the best to ever do it. I know. I know. It's, 
But I thought and my only thing was Jericho, of course, and I think Hangman held his own in his first ever main event. But my only thing though with this match is why would you not have Sean Spears go over in this match? Because this feud's not over. You don't think so? He's going to exact revenge when they go to TV. He'll jump Cody. He'll do something. He'll force a rematch. He'll do something. It's better that the babyface goes over now. If Sean Spears goes over, Cody's like, well, I guess i got to move on to somebody else. I, I didn't beat you. Here, the heels going to come chasing him back for revenge. Remember, this business was built on rematches. Yeah. I know you're, you're completely right, but to me, it just seems that you're going to cope that Sean is going to be one of the top heels in this company for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. Especially Absolutely. the fact that he, especially the fact that he does have Tolly on his side. So my thing is this, and this is his first singles match in AEW, Sean Spears. Wouldn't you want, wouldn't you want to give him that moment? But you're, but what, the way you kind of phrase it, Jeremy, you kind of make, I mean, you make a point, though, that then if this feud, this feud is going to continue. This is one of the feuds that we will see, you know, continue on to TV. But, guys, we are now being joined by our guest. Okay. So it's, it's a, I'm going to mute myself. A, yep. I'll mute you guys. I'll bring him on. And then I'll come back. I'll bring you guys back on the bed. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you. All right. All right, and now we are set to bring on the host of the Wrestling Perspective podcast. Dennis for all, Dennis. It's John. How you doing this evening? Doing good, guys. How are you? Doing well. It's actually it's just me right now. The other two guys had to go take care of something, but I, I, we've been friends on Facebook for quite a while now, and I know you were very you're very big in the, in the sports world up in Detroit, correct? Yes, yes, I am. I'm, I'm lucky. I've been blessed with some cool opportunities. So my question is this: What got you into wrestling, then? You know, I've always been a wrestling fan my whole life, and it was something I've always watched. I always kept up with. And as I moved up into the sports world, I started to realize that uh, I really wanted to do wrestling stuff. So that's kind of when I made the decision to walk away from doing fantasy football for some big media outlets and focus on doing a wrestling content. Because I know the, I've listened to your show in the past, the wrestling perspective podcast, which we'll get to in a bit. And it's one of the better podcasts, you know, out there right now. But was this Thank your you. idea to, to do the, you're welcome. Was this your idea to do the, to do the, that show? Or did somebody present you the idea to do a show like that? Or how did that, how the whole show come to fruition? So, I was friends with PD for a long time, and as he would say in the early years of our friendship, he was a bit ego, an egomaniac. Uh, he, you know, nobody at that point loved PD more than PD, and uh, we stopped hanging out for a while. And then a couple of years ago, he got in contact. Jimmy Jacobs had given him some tickets when he was in WWE. When Jimmy Jacobs was a writer there, he called me. We went out, and that's kind of when I pitched the wrestling idea to him of doing a podcast. And he wasn't really about it and didn't didn't have interest because he had retired from wrestling and, and stepped away from it all. 
and I kind of started hounding him, and then finally he said, you know, we'll do one show. If I like it, we'll do two, and we'll just keep going. And three years later, we were, you know, we've been doing the show for that long. And then I know you had mentioned that you have a new host now. Was it, I mean, obviously, if you don't want to go into full detail, it's fine. But what was the reason why PD stopped doing the show, just by curiosity? So, PD, you know, when he came back to wrestling a couple of years ago, it was only supposed to be for a short time. And, he, you know, two years later, he's now, he was, you know, wrestling for Impact. He was part of the writing crew and it really took up a lot of his family time. And him and his wife made the decision that they'll step away from wrestling for a short time, kind of get everything back in order and maybe slowly get back into the industry. But he stepped away for family, and, you know, I do hope he comes back one day. But until then, you know, when would you lose a Petey Williams, shit, Eli Drake's the next best thing, if not better. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said to you when we were uh, talking offline on Twitter, I actually was fortunate I actually met Eli Drake back in May, back at StarCast. And Dude, he told me that very story. nice guy. Tell me, tell me the story. I want to hear it. Oh, okay. Basically, what happened was me and my co-host, who who went to go take care of something right now, were at Starcast this past May, and we were at there was there was a McDonald's down the block from where we stayed. We stayed at Caesar's Palace, and all of a sudden we were there. I was like one one thirty in the morning, and of course in Vegas you're gonna you know be drinking some bit. And all, all of a sudden, we're, I'm sitting outside, it's like a little patio area, and all of a sudden, I'm looking next to me, and I see this guy who I'm like, he looks familiar. Now, I know a lot of the wrestlers had stayed, you know, in the area, and I'm like, he looks easily familiar. Like, it's like I, I've seen him on TV before, I just couldn't put a name to a face. So I said, okay, whatever. So then I'm looking, I'm like, this can't be Eli Drake. And I'm going on his Twitter account, and all of a sudden, he wrote maybe five hours beforehand, oh, just landed in Vegas, ready for Starcast. I'm like, again, it can't be him. He turns around, and I'm like, son of a gun, it's him. Now, I've listened to wrestling shows over the years, and the one thing every wrestler has always said is if they're out in public, you know, you can say hi, but they don't make a big thing about it. All of a sudden, my co-host comes out, and he looks at me, he's like, John, you know who that is? I said, yes, I know, it's Eli Drake. And we walked up to him, the nicest guy ever. His wife, his wife turned around, he's, she's like, we, we apologized to her, and his wife turned around, or his girlfriend, I don't know if he's married at the time. She's like, oh, don't worry about it, it's fine. But yeah, that was my story of how I met Eli Drake. Wow. He is one of the coolest guys ever. And considering the fact that I got him fired, uh, I'm lucky to be doing a show with him. Yeah, he he definitely is one of the more polarizing figures in wrestling. But so so when has he started yet? Because I haven't listened in a couple of you know couple of shows. Has he officially started yet, or does he not start for a couple more weeks? We just released the first episode tonight. Uh, probably okay. about twenty minutes before we did the show. So uh, yeah. You know, I'm excited. I can't believe that, you know, uh, I pitched the idea to him. And for about a week, he, he kind of thought about it. He wasn't sure. And 
you know, here's a guy who's in the wrestling industry but doesn't really watch much wrestling content. So the last thing he wanted to do was come on and, and, and not sound educated, know what he's doing. But the concept behind my show is, you know, we talk about current events and mix it in with personal experiences. And first show went amazing, better than I could have ever imagined. So, yeah, definitely, you know, get a, I'll try to li- – I'm not going to try. I'm definitely going to listen to it tonight after after I sign off tonight. <clears throat> but I want to get your take on a few – since your show is based off current stuff, I want to get your take on some of the current things going on right now. Yeah, let's did you do get, it. Did you get a chance to watch All Out this past weekend? You know what? I did, and I was very – I was disappointed with Bleacher Report's streaming service, you know. Outside of the WWE, I've never ordered a pay-per-view since, like, the WCW days. And I finally bit the bullet. I spent 40 bucks to watch this show. And the streaming service for the first hour wouldn't give it to me. So then I had to go through uh, their customer service on Twitter, which was horrible. Then I waited on hold on the phone for another hour. So before they actually gave me the pay-per-view, you know, there was 40 minutes left in the show, and I threw a fit. I was, and I'll scream it from the rooftops. You know, Bleacher Report streaming service is horrible. It it was laggy. It kept going in and out. I was unhappy with it. I, you know, I don't know if I will ever do another AEW pay-per-view until they change what service they use to stream the show. It's that's definitely interesting, but I actually agree. I did I watch the show eventually. I w- I did. I did. I, I, when you're saying that now about how it lagged, I noticed that because when I turned it on, it may have been right at, right as the pre as the buy-in show was end the buy-in part was ending and the main show was going to begin. And one of the big mistakes I noticed that they did, I don't know if you picked this up as well, was the closed captioning that came up. Yeah. It, it 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 you know for that kind of money you would think they would have their affairs in order, and that you should not have any sort of trouble streaming it, especially for a company. You know, it's not like it's a bunch of wrestlers that got together and they're they're patching everything together. It's owned by a billionaire for God's sake, so you would think yeah. that they would be able to do it. But outside of that, it was a great show if you could get past the issues. Yeah. Well, one of the questions I brought up to my co-hosts earlier, and I want to bring this up to you as well, the Hangman Page-Chris Jericho match, did that feel like to you like a main event coming off of the Young Bucks and Lucha Brothers match? You know, only because it didn't feel like they made it a big deal. Like, those two entrances coming in should have been a little bit more next level than it was. I, the, the most different thing you did was Hangman coming on a horse, I think, you know, for any other show might have been kind of cute, but you're about to crown your biggest champion. Uh, Jericho should have come in with some sort of pomp and circumstance that he normally does. It just felt like two average entrances, and then they tried to hype it up by, you know, having the refs do the rules and all that stuff, and I felt like it came off a little bit hokey at best. But match-wise, in ring, it was a great match. You couldn't have asked for anything more. But I, I think the lead-up, the build-up, the the entrances were very lackluster. 
Well, my thing was this, especially when you came off the match of the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers, and I mentioned this earlier in the show, I don't know any wrestler, tag team or not, who could have followed that match and had given you a next-level type of match. Coming off of, you know, what we saw with those with the two tag teams. My thing with this was, to me, it felt, it felt like, okay, we're going to crown a champion, but because we just gave you guys probably one of the best tag team matches of the year, we'll just throw this together and hope you guys like it. I mean, I agree with what you're saying, though, that, he, that they should have given it some, some sort of big match feel, I guess is the way to put it. Uh, you know, I agree, and unfortunately, you know, that the, the Young Bucks match stole the show, and there's nothing you can do about it. And, you know, there's always those matches that, that steal the show, and unfortunately, everybody else has to live up to it. And that's what every wrestler wants when you're not main event in a show is to steal the show. And that's just a test to how great those four wrestlers were, the kind of show that they put on. And unfortunately, Jericho and Hangman didn't quite live up to it. We, in all honesty, we all knew Jericho was going to win the belt. You don't sign him to the largest contract in his history just to have him not be the first title holder. So I, I didn't think there was much surprise there. They could have done a little bit better job or picked a different opponent to really give it a who's going to win feel to it. Well, I wrote an article for the website that I write for about regarding Jericho, and I said Jericho winning is beneficial because it will bring in the casual fan. Because you have a fan who sits there October 2nd, who's flipping through the channels. All of a sudden he hears, oh, you know, AEW started. Oh, it's another wrestling promotion. Let me take a look. And, you know, here comes Chris Jericho. It's, oh, wait, I remember Jericho back from, you know, the older days. So I think Jericho winning is a benefit for, the, for AEW to bring in the casual fan. Do you, do you agree or disagree? What are your thoughts on that? I think you're right. He had to win it because if you look at the mainstream name value of AEW, they don't have any. And I don't, and it's not a knock to everybody else, but when I mean mainstream, I mean the WWE fans. Outside of Jericho, <laughs> Most WWE fans don't know who Kenny Omega is, or only heard of him. Don't they don't know who the Young Bucks are? They don't follow New Japan or any of that stuff. So they needed a Chris Jericho to really give it that that mainstream feel that they didn't have. What, by the way, one of the most talented rosters out there, but not one of the most mainstream rosters. Yeah. Well, I think that's what they're going to use in due time, though. Is they're going to try to get the name out there. Of who these guys are. Have to. If they don't, the company fails. And it's that simple. And I think you will not see any other major wrestling organizations. Like, you know, Impact's been flirting around with different networks. You have NWA coming out soon. The hope of the wrestling television industry really lies on AEW right now because all these other networks are sitting back to wait to see what kind of success AEW has ratings-wise before they make a move on some of these other networks out there. Well, yeah, I, I actually never even thought of it that way, that how much it is riding on 
you know, on AEW's success. But I want to, I want to, there's been this discussion brought up a lot in, you know, various wrestling shows that if, and I'm going to, I'm going to give you the pencil for a second, Dennis. If you were in the office with Tony Khan and he asked you to rebook the order of the matches so that the main event had a main event feel to it, what match would you have put, if if any, in between the Young Bucks and Jericho with Paige? I don't, I don't think you even have to move them around. If they would have came to me, and let me be honest with I'm I'm no smarter than anybody else, but I think I would have kept it the same. You have the crowd on such a high note that you, you, you do something special with that entrance. I mean, Jericho and all those guys, they are the master of putting on a show, and I felt like they dropped the ball when they didn't put on the show with the entrances. I, I, I would have had Hangman come out with some of the youth to really, you know, underline the youth movement or something. I would have done something different, at least for the entrance-wise. I don't think you had to move things around because if you move that Young Bucks match down lower on the card, I think you devalue that awesome experience. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. Uh, one more thing I want to get to with AEW before we jump over to WWE for a second. Were you surprised at all that they have that they're going to have on October second Nyla Rose take on Rihu for the women's title? No, I think once again you you have your two best. I would love to have seen I you know Awesome Kong in there somewhere, but you know unfortunately she's not in the mix right this second. It's once again, they're doing everything right, especially with the way the belt looks, the presentations. I'm really excited for tag team championship belts, whatever the undercard, whether it's a TV title or some sort of intercontinental champion, whatever they do there. They're doing things different, and, and that's what I love about it. Yeah, and to me, I mean, we had our show last week, and we made our prediction. And two out of three of us had Britt Baker winning the, the the battle royal. We were kind of surprised that it was good. I was kind of surprised it was Nyla Rose. But then when you thought about it, when you think about it for a second, Nyla Rose happens to be from the D.C. area. So you have like that hometown, you, can, you have that hometown girl in there, kind of give her that, that baby face kind of, you know, pop. But, yeah, you know. The, the, that roster, that women's roster is so deep right now, and kudos to them for really making that in the tag team division a emphasis on, on excellence. That, I mean, you you look at almost any other women's roster at any other wrestling organization, maybe two or three women, you go, all right, I can see them being champions. But with AEW, there's five or ten of them. You go, she deserves to be the champion. You can also say the same thing about the tag team division. That basically every team in that tag in the AEW tag team division right now can make a case for being the champion. Yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to the Lucha Brothers or the Young Bucks uh, to be the first tag mm-hmm. team champions, and I would be shocked if it's not the Young Bucks, seeing that they were the originators of this whole all elite. 
you know, you can almost even say the one of the most original Bullet Club members. Okay. Everything that we're watching now came from them, and other people have helped bring it to fruition. But the Young Bucks deserve to be, based on what they've done and who they are right now, the first AEW Tag Team Champions. Mm, that's... It's believe me. I feel like with that, there's no wrong answer because I guarantee you that people who are going to say, "Oh, it should be private party or it should be dark order," but the Young Bucks getting the titles first would not be out of the realm of possibility. And I, then you can kind you, of build up the other teams. I think you're right. You look at what they've done and who they are. I I think you can make a solid case for them. Now, if you tell me that it, it can't be them. Boy, you know, Lucha Brothers, I, I wouldn't be shocked if it's someone like a that's not even signed. You know, Motor City Machine Guns are slowly trying to figure things out. I know Shelly right now is in Ring of Honor. Um, Saban right now is working with Impact. So, you know, I they could be a dark horse for a contender down the line, too. I mean, if you want to throw another team, look at the team that just made their debut. The former members of LAX, you know, former Impact champions, LAX. They can be a Amazing guys. And I really hope that they really take that next level step to being superstars with that organization. Well, the, the funny part is I still have the, the feeling that they will be the ones who are the mystery tag team partners uh, on October 2nd with Chris Jericho. Yeah. You're spot on. To me, to me, you have them come in on on your biggest event, attack the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks are set to team with Kenny Omega to take on Chris Jericho and two other people. To me, it would be kind of a shocker if it's not, you know, Santana and Ortiz. I I think, boy, it's tough because. I mean, if we had to sit down right now and rank the three tag teams between the Young Bucks, Santana Ortiz, and the Lucha Brothers, I, you know, all three of them deserve to be champions. Only one of them's going to get it. You know, it. Yeah. Boy, that's tough. I don't know if I could even rank them because all three of them are such great tag teams. Well, the, the funny part is, I was listening to, I forgot what show I was listening to, and they were talking about you know, when Santana and Ortiz debuted. And they brought up a different way they would have done it. And I want to run it past you to see what you think of it. They would not have had them take the masks off at all. They would have had them come in at the high spots of the match, walk up the ladder, take the belt, and walk away. Then, in the weeks leading up to the October 2nd show, have Chris Jericho turn around and say, well... The two guys who are going to be tagging with me are the two guys who stole the belts at All Out. Um, and then that's Boy. how you eventually—that's how you eventually lead to a possible three-way between all three of those teams. Here's the downfall with that, and and I'm looking at it from a—I mean, from a storyline angle, sure, sure, but and I don't know. And I might be wrong, but you I'm guessing what was it, the triple A belts. You're gonna yeah. have to have triple A's permission 
to do a belt switch or do an angle like that. And if I'm AAA, I don't know if I would say, all right, go ahead and put my tag team belts on some max mask guys until October. Because, you know, you're going to have to debut them if you did it that way on the first television show. So as as a third-party organization like AAA, I, I, I might have nixed that going, well, I don't want my belts on, you know, a mystery tag team until October. Well, the other issue is, when even though it was a great idea when you think about it, AAA is set to have a show on September 15th at, at Madison Square Garden. You would think that the AAA mm-hmm. belts would kind of be a big deal on that show. Right, and are you not going to have your tag team belts on it? Or are you, you know, I can't see them having, because I believe that's a joint show with Impact Wrestling. So now you're going to have your AEW AAA tag team champions, you know, on a show with Impact Wrestling. I, I, I couldn't see that happening. Yeah, yeah. I want to get your thoughts quickly on one of the big things that happened in the WWE this past weekend, this past week. We finally saw the heel turn of Bailey. Do you honestly buy that she's turning heel? You know, here's my issue with WWE and, and turning people's faces and heels is it's sometimes it's too hasty. You know, what was it, a year or so ago when Becky Lynch turned heel and all of a sudden she was the hottest wrestler in all of wrestling. Then three or four weeks, maybe even a month later, WWE messed it up by turning it tight, slightly into a comedy act, going for what could be a really great R-rated character down to a PG-13 character and made it a little fluffy and totally totally ruined whatever momentum Becky Lynch had. Uh, I worry that whatever we get excited for, WWE is going to mess it up. And I, I could absolutely buy Bailey being a heel. I, and I like it that she's still doing it with Sasha. So I hope they do it right. I don't have faith in them for doing it right, but I hope they do it right. I, I just hope because I, I saw Raw on SmackDown this week, and on Raw, she did come off like a heel, but then on SmackDown, she did it. And I'm like, so what are you going to do? You're going to have her play almost like Jekyll and Hyde? Almost where it's like, okay, on Raw, she's a heel, but then on SmackDown, she's going to be the baby face? Yeah, see, there, there you go. Once again, you know, in theory, it's a good idea, but, you know, they do not do a good job of really having things fluent and you know anytime someone says uh you know x y and z needs to turn heel always go back to yeah but look what they did with becky lynch look where she is now she is not as nearly a hot of a heel because of what wwe has done to her than what she used to be uh, last thing I want to get to is probably one of the most over superstars right now in any promotion you can think of and that's Bray Wyatt with The Fiend. What are your thoughts about the way that WWE has presented him so far? I am pleasantly surprised. And I thought a lot of times when they have such amazing buildup, which what they did with the Firefly Funhouse 
was how are they going to transition this from a promo to in the ring? And I did not, and, and truthfully, I did not have faith that they'd be able to pull it off. But I was shocked and surprised and very happy with the way they transitioned it from such amazing promos to this in-ring stuff that we're seeing. And, you know, although you've seen over the last weeks how they've kind of toned him down a little bit for TV, I really enjoyed the uh, the former, what is it, the head turned into a lamp, and but they pulled yeah. that one out. And I, I can kind of see that. I get it. You're, you need advertisers. But overall, I, I like it. And I don't know how they're going to incorporate Bray Wyatt into this thing where – you know, we we know the theme thing is out there, but is what are they going to do with Bray Wyatt, Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde? Is he just going to be in promos? I have so much great stuff that I'm excited to see how it plays out. And last thing regarding the theme, do you think it's too early for him to go after the Universal Title? Yes, um, I'm a big fan of build up. I'm a big fan of long storylines. If you put him out there right now for the universal title and he either A, loses it, or B, wins it, and then loses it a month later, whatever goodwill or momentum you've built up automatically dies. And if you have him continuing to do what he does now, you could have more fun with it. You could play around with the stories. But more importantly, you build his momentum up to what could be a fever pitch if you do it right opposed to rushing into a title or even rushing into a real feud that, you know, if you threw him in a feud right now with a returning Finn Balor, Finn, Finn has to win, right? You know, Bray yeah. went over and he went out. And if Finn wins, once again, kills everything that the Fiend has built up. So why rush into that? Just have some fun. You know, it's, it's, it's a, you know, a race. It's a marathon. You don't have to get to the finish line super fast. Let's just see how this thing plays out. Let's not rush into anything. Well, I just wrote an article recently, actually, for the website that I write for, and the the way I presented it was I would have Strowman win at Clash of Champions in decisive matter, like have him really be the monster among men. Have Strowman then go on like a run for the rest of 2019. Have it set up that they that we get the Fiend versus versus Strowman on a collision course for the Rumble. However, I wouldn't have the payoff then be to WrestleMania. You know what? If the storytelling's right, I would be all for it. Um, there would be things we'd have to dance around because you'd, you'd have to have... I would like to see Strowman enter into a... Uh, a whole storyline with Roman Reigns where he dominates Roman Reigns again. You'd have yeah. to have, I think you'd have to have Bray Wyatt ducking Finn Balor, but have the Fiend attacking him at every turn and maybe occasionally tease them, you know, getting together. But I, I can't, I don't hate where that story would go. Yeah. Cause then what you can do is you can build Strowman up so he can get some credibility back. While on the flip side, you can continue to build up the theme to be like, you know, this person that you can't tell what his motives are, and then just have them on a collision course then. 
Yeah, I mean, you're building them up, and you have to build them up for a reason, so I, I can see that. Yeah. But, Dennis, I want to thank you for joining us this evening. It's been a blast to have you on. Uh, where can our fans find you on Twitter and social media? Uh, follow me at Dennis77Farrell, F-A-R-R-E-L-L, a Google Wrestling Perspective, any place you get podcasts, that's where it is, as I said earlier. You know, the Eli Drake first episode's out. It's really good where uh, in the episode he actually talks about how close he came to signing with AEW and uh, WWE before he settled with NWA. Yeah, it's it's he talks uh, about, you know, his history as being a wrestling fan, the fact that he still owns every belt he's ever won and they're sitting on a shelf right now, so... It, it's pretty a good, and, and, you know, once a week, Eli and I will be doing the show together, talking about news and stories and all that stuff. Absolutely. Definitely, you know, to, to get a, take a listen to it. It's really a good show. And who knows, maybe down the road, you can have me on as a guest. Just saying. Hey, you know, I'm open to it. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'll, be, I'll be down for that. Yeah, let's do it. Um, we, we, we can talk, you know, offline about that. Sure. All right. Dennis, have a great night, and thank you again for coming on this evening. Oh, thank you so much, and uh, have a good night. You too. All right, that was, that was Dennis Farrell. Let me bring back on the guys right now. All right, what did you guys think of it? Well, I can actually hear you now, John. Oh, okay, that's good. Good job, whatever you did. <laughs> so what you? No, it was a good interview, man. Down to earth guy. Yeah. But, Cruz, you, 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 Cruz, what was your reaction when I was telling him about the Eli Drake story? Like, uh, <laughs> you, you know, we made a promise to Eli Drake. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Not, no, I know. You know, we made a. You broke. He's it. only told the story like four <laughs> times on air, but yeah. <laughs> I know, but uh, it's it's fine. It's fine. It, it was funny hearing it again. Uh, you, <laughs> you were a little bit coy. I I don't know. It's situations like that. I, I just go for it. <laughs> and you were a little bit coy. That's why it makes it a little bit funny to me. But it's it's fine. It was a good interview all around. I was actually looking him up on. Uh, on Apple Podcasts, so I can subscribe. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. it was definitely. He, he has a good show. He, when him and Petey Williams were doing that show, it was really good. I'm curious to see about him with um, Eli Drake, though. And by the way, Cruz, I don't know if you saw. Uh, just want to talk about this briefly before we get back into the AEW talk. Did you see Chris Van Vliet's latest interview that dropped this morning? Uh the JD one. Yeah. No, I haven't seen it. No, no. Don't tell me anything about it. No. I'm not well, just tell me. Oh, you're it. done. You're done now. Yeah, you, you learn a lot about Wait. AEW. Yep, let's get back. Let's get back to, you know, AEW. But I can hear you guys better now. I'm I'm, I'm fired up. Let's go. Okay. All right. I'm gl- I'm glad you can hear us now. Um, let's. What would be looking at the entire car, and Cruz, we'll start with you on this one. What would be your match of the night? 
Oof. But well, the tag team uh, Escalera de la Muerte match just I might have stole the show. Okay, Jeremy, I think I kind of know your answer to this one. Yep. But I will try to do it, it was, as well as Cruz. Escalera de la Muerte. Yeah. Definitely stole the show. Um, but I think the best question would be, my question to both of you is, after that match, what match did you guys enjoy the most? Cruz, I think you we, we discussed earlier, John, what, what's your answer? But I want to hear yours again, Cruz. Okay. Martin. I'll be honest, the one I thought that was the, the best one outside of the ladder match was the opening match, which was SCU and Jurassic Express. And for one reason only, it made Luchasaurus, they made Luchasaurus that night look like a bigger star than he is. Ooh. That's awesome. That's a great Cruz, match. What was your answer? Yeah, that definitely was. Cruz, what was your answer? I, I think I missed that part. So after that, it was the Pac and Omega match for me. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jeremy? Yeah, for me, Cody Spears. Cody I thought that was fantastic. But uh, if you guys get a chance, um, Jericho today for Talk is Jericho episode uh, did a behind-the-scenes of All Out. Oh, nice. And cool. kind of talks about when he got there and the day of. And I haven't finished it yet, but... Uh, Aubrey Edwards, the referee you're friends with, Cruz, uh, he requested for that match. Oh, oh, that's cool. That's cool, yeah. He, his reason was, we're already making history as the first ever AEW champion in this match. Might as well have a female referee be a part of the history. Hmm. Hmm. But no, I thought... She I did mean, an awesome oh, job, too. Fantastic. She really, yeah. she, she really did. But let, let's I love how AEW lets the referees be a part of the match, and I don't mean like ruining the finishes, I mean just with their facial expressions. Oh, yeah. They, they give yeah. them personality, which is wonderful. Yeah, I don't know any other company that actually does that. Right. <laughs> but, let's jump over now to one of the other uh, events that happened that day. I won't talk about it briefly, because there's one match in particular I want to talk about that for some reason, out of every match that happened between Royal Quest, NXT UK TakeOver, and All Out, this match I want to talk about now is considered to be the match of the weekend. And that's Walter who took on Tyler Bate. Do you think, Cruz, that this match made Tyler Bate basically like a megastar now? Well, easily the heart and soul of NXT UK. Uh, it made Walter look like a big, big deal, for sure. Uh, again, but look, look at how much time they got. 42 minutes to put together a story, execute it, present it to the fans, and you see the reception for it. Right. So I think there's a direct correlation with how much time these wrestlers get in this company and in AEW even in New Japan, and how well the match, the, the match outcome, the complete match outcome and our review of the match. That was, they sent a message to the whole world in that match. NXT UK is not to be ignored. They're not going to be a pushover brand. They will put it on, and they did, man. Wow. And yeah. there was several great matches that night. 
Yeah, that I, one was I, just I, phenomenal. Yeah, that, it seems like anybody you look at who's done a recap of that show seems to put that that match, that specific match between Walter and Tyler Bay. And if you haven't, and folks who are listening right now, if you haven't had a chance to watch it, I highly recommend that you do. Because even though there was quite a difference as far as height goes, that had no bearing on it. But I want to get I want to get also since we're talking about NXT for a second I want to talk about the other sort of outside the ring news that happened that actually kind of pulled WWE and AEW. They both released uh, one of their top female superstars. Uh, WWE NXT released Casey Kasten. I'm going to butcher her last name, but basically Costanzo. Ricochet's girl Costanzo. Costanzo uh, Ricochet's girlfriend. And AEW, as we found out at all at the all-out post-match uh, um, conference, that Kylie Ray had been released from her contract with AEW. But uh, Jeremy, let's start with you. What are your thoughts on these two releases? Um, the Casey thing, I'm really not that sure about. Uh, they really were high on her. I mean, they put her in the Rumble. So. And the way they're just not releasing people these days, there must have been a serious reason for that. And she's the sweetest girl. I really, truly, I've met her twice now. I wish her nothing but the best. Um, Kylie Ray is an interesting one because we know they had big plans for her. Something happened after Double Nothing. I mean, we, we joked about it a little bit with your crush on her and everything, John. But, <laughs> but in all seriousness, I, I think it was serious also. I mean, Tony Khan was very quick to answer that. He did not want to go further into it. And when that happens, you know, it's it's hush-hush. And he's the type of guy that really does speak a lot. So I, I wish I wish them both the best, and, and Kylie especially. I mean, excuse me. Yeah, Kylie Ray, excuse me. Especially the best. Cruz, what about you? He's a rock star. Oh, yeah. They both are, but Cruz, what about you? So I'm definitely, I was definitely surprised. I was taken aback by the news of Kylie Ray. Because uh, she was a fan favorite, you heard the big pop that she got at Vegas, and man, I don't know. I, I don't know the specifics of what's going on there, but I'm just gonna say that I wish her the best because she's just a lovely young girl, just just trying to make it in this world. Uh, for the other girl, Ricochet's girlfriend, Casey, I, you know. It seemed like the trajectory was up there to at least NXT women's champion, contender at least. So, hmm, I wonder what went down there. I, I, it's kind of interesting to hear. That one I was completely taken off from, you know, completely oblivious of. Kylie Ray was just, I don't know, a little, a little heartbroken here. From what I heard... It's funny, and they're both two... These two ladies are very similar. Yeah. Which is interesting. I mean, in ability, in personality, in look, in in everything. I mean, it's just really one of those weird things. Yeah. But no, my thing is, regarding... From what I have read, supposedly regarding Ricochet's girlfriend, Casey, it was because she was dealing with a lot of injuries. And I think it was... I think it was... Yeah, because from what I read... She was dealing with a lot of back injuries. That's why we hadn't really seen her on TV a lot. As far as Kylie, though, I mean, 
I think with her, I don't think it's more she is leaving wrestling. I just think she needs a break from wrestling. Mm. I just think with everything that happened, I mean, I'll give you a great example, and I'm not trying to compare the situations because it's two totally different situations, but look what happened with Laura Sullivan. Laura Sullivan was supposed to get called up to the main roster like sometime late last year, and all of a sudden it got to the arena and went AWOL for at least six months. And we found out later on it was because of anxiety. Some people, even though they have been doing this for years, it comes to the point that some people may not be ready mentally for the big stage. Yeah, and if you think about it, you know, if you think about it, John, Lars was trained in the PC for this moment. Kylie yeah. Ray is an indie girl, still fairly new to the business. All of a sudden, you got a camera crew at your house. You got a big spot at Double or Nothing, and she was one of their top stars early on. I mean, think of, I mean, how, how many people typically are at an indie show? Hundred, two hundred, or so? D- depends on the company. Yeah, obviously, but on average, like a hundred to. It could 200. be from five people to a hundred to two hundred. I mean, some are even more. Okay. Okay. How many people were at Double or Nothing? Uh, are we rounding up? Yeah. 23,465. But, but, but no, in all seriousness, I think 16,000. Was it 16 and change? I think that's what I heard. But that's my point, 16 though. 16 and 7, okay. It is you take somebody like Kylie, who had been on the Indies for basically all of her career, pull her from the Indies where she's used to performing for 500, 600 people, and you're going to throw her around on a big stage like Double or Nothing... It may have it may have done her in that she may have turned around and goes, okay, maybe this isn't for me right now. Could be. You never know. It could I be mean, a million things. Maybe they wanted her to go to acting class. Maybe they wanted her to do something. Maybe she just. It could be. A, we don't know. Again, we're speculating here. We're, we're, we're all speculating. speculating it. There's been no yeah. leak leaks of any reason why. So there's no point yeah. to even. Yeah, but I, I mean. I think I she will be back at, at some point. Yeah, I want to send them, you know, I, I hope the best for both of them. And I think, I don't know how fast we see Casey back in NXT, if we do at all, but I think we'll see Kyler Ray back at AEW at some point. Yeah, I mean, I, I I got to meet Casey when I got to go to the PC one day. And she's honestly one of the nicest people I've ever met. Yeah, she definitely, she definitely is. They, they both are, from what I, from what yeah. I gather. They're both, they're both Two of the nicest nice. ones in wrestling. But actually, it kind of dawned on me because we have some time, so I want to talk about this kind of briefly. Uh, Starcast Four was announced already. Yeah. Yep. For Baltimore, and once it was announced, all of a sudden the the uh, you know I started thinking of okay, how can I how can I get there? Because Baltimore from for me is not that far of a trek. I've already done the trek to Baltimore already. So okay. I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I may go. But what, what we? Yeah, I know. Three hours, John. I, think I mean, I think it's it's is it even that? I used to get to Newport yeah. News. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I used to get to like the the Atlantic Ocean in in the state of Virginia, Norfolk, take a train. in six hours. Yeah. So Baltimore is about 
halfway. Yeah, it's a three-hour. I'm honestly surprised. Because it's before D.C. and Greyhound. D.C. is four. Yeah. Well, I'm just surprised by one big thing. That's nothing. That they were announcing another StarCast so quickly. So I'm, they did I'm, in um, Vegas? Yeah, obviously he's making money. Obviously. From, yeah, from what I saw up there in uh, Chicago, <laughs> full crowds, right? Right. So... Yeah, he's giving us content, especially you know with that CM Punk uh, segment there, right? You know, generating so him. much buzz. Je- oh well, Definitively, we know where he stands now, right? Yeah, yeah a little bit. <laughs> well, Starcast is only going to get bigger and better, honestly. Well, Jeremy, I wanted to ask you, you watched most of StarCast. I haven't got a chance to watch some of it yet. I did. I sat down Thursday night and pretty much throughout the weekend when I wasn't watching football. That's cool. In your your humble opinion, what was the best panel? Um, I thought the punk was really informative, and I've been very clear I'm not a fan of him, but he was very charismatic and kind of a different guy. Um... I love the BTE mailbag segment. I just love those guys. They were so funny up there, and they were just having a blast up there. Um, yeah. But the punk the punk segment, there was one part of it that really just blew me away. Was He was interviewed by Mike Johnson. It was kind of a panel, really, but no Q&A from the crowd. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned to CM Punk, you know, wrestlers now can get time off if they need it. Punk froze. As if it was a foreign language spoke to him. He goes, oh, I, I can't process that. What'd you say? He goes, yeah, like, for example, Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch went on a vacation and got engaged. He goes, uh, 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 he, was, he couldn't speak for about a minute. And they said, well, see, you're even making an impact in wrestling when you're not even there. Because that was, that was one of his biggest complaints when he was there. Yeah. I, I, I listened to his interview he did with Colt Cabana. Right. He was more laid back here. He didn't have a vendetta. That one he had a grudge. This one he was very well, laid back. He didn't bash anybody. Well, I think the other thing we also have to look at, it's also been a couple of years for him. When he did yep. the interview with Cabana, wasn't it like only six months after everything had happened? Yeah, it's been five years now, so he's moved on. Yeah. But he was Let's very, go. he was cool. Yeah. I want to talk uh, briefly. I want to get away from me. Not that I have anything against AEW. I don't well, know. You don't. I don't, but I want to get to the other. Because we didn't really talk about a lot of the other promotions last week. I want to get to some of the other ones right now. Uh, I want to go to Ring of Honor first. It was announced that at Death Before Dishonor, which is the end of this month, Roosh will be getting a title shot. More than likely, I think it will be against Matt Taven. Do you guys think, and Cruz, we'll start with you on this one. Do you think Roosh comes out of Death Before Dishonor as your new Ring of Honor champion? I don't think so. I, I really? think that Ring of Honor has put all their eggs in one basket with um, Matt Taven. I just don't think that they're going to give up on building him up at this point. Uh, no, no, and not with the impending loss of uh, 
Marty, they're, they're going to need to build up stars now. Roosh does not need a belt to be over. He's, he's an ingobernable. He's associated with Naito and with Andrade. <laughs> Weren't they on social media taking pictures with uh, Charlotte, too? Yes. Yes. So, okay. I, I just think that they're going to continue on with the Matt Taven story. Even though his contract is set to expire the end of the month? Matt Taven? Yeah. I wanted to be the one to say it. <laughs> Sorry, I stole your thunder. I think he'll... You don't think he'll re-sign with Ring of Honor? I don't know. There's been, from what I've read, there's been no furthering of contract negotiations between the two sides. So normally, this is not something that we would hear about until it's completed, right? Yeah. Are, very, are you in- very interesting. I mean, very interesting. What what would be the alternative then? You have Roosh win, you let Matt Taven go? I don't know, because maybe Taven... I don't know, because Taven's mentality could be, well, I'm already a star, so let me try it on the bigger stage as at, at like an AEW or an NXT. But I think, realistically, if he were to leave Ring of Honor, I think NXT would be his next uh, destination. Okay, I can see that. Them going to two hours, I can see that they're going yeah, to need more people. talent. Yeah. Absolutely. And also, let's be, let's be honest. It's already starting to get stale. If we're, we're honest yeah. with each other. NXT is already starting to get boring and repetitive. Like, how many times can we see uh, Velveteen Dream and the Undisputed Era? Yeah, but my, you know, so. speaking about Undisputed Era, they're going to get pulled up to the main roster at some point. That's the thing. With a two-hour TV show, they may just keep those guys there. All bets are off now. And I thought we discussed this last week. Effectively, with that move to USA, now there is no main roster. They're all main roster. Yep. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. John, we covered this. Yes, we did. Okay, Jeremy, what about you? What are your thoughts on it? Do you see Roosh coming out of uh, All Vegas depends on Matt Taven's contract situation. Um, we, like, it's easy to say OEW or NXT. We don't know what his offers are there. If Ring of Honor is his best offer, he's going to stay there. Um, well, you'll be able to dictate by the finish of the match. If, if Taven goes over, he's re-signed. If he loses, he's leaving. Yeah, but let's also not forget the fact he does have a title match September 7th against uh, Boulder, I think his name is. Some guy from the CMLL who I've never even heard of. Yeah, he does a lot of Mexico Mexico dates for them. Yeah. Well, that's because so, hard to say. I, um, I'm a big Matt Taven fan. Uh, it, no, no. Something that was interesting over the weekend was Somebody at StarCast asked all the, the guys at the BT mailbag segment, it was a lady, I think, if you can sign anybody to this company, who would it be? And the box yeah, said Okada. Excuse me, Matt, Nick Jackson said Okada. Matt Jackson said Marty. 
Kenny said Will Ospreay and obviously Ibushi. And they go to Frankie Kazarian and he goes, nobody. <laughs> he goes, we felt so much with this roster we have, we don't need somebody else to come in and make it better. So I, I found that interesting. Right, and then, of course, you know, Scorpio Sai said Tessa Blanchard. And that got the biggest reaction. But that's yeah, what I yeah, think yeah. they're going to get to the point right now. They're building a lot there, and they're going to be like, we don't need 15 guys or 10 more guys to come in. They have yeah. plenty for a long time. It's going to be interesting. It's definitely... Yeah, 100%. It's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. But if a wrestling fan was not around in the Monday Night Wars or doesn't remember that time, they're in for a time that they've never seen before. But, I mean, you brought up a whole thing about – which one was it again that said they wanted to sign Marty? Was that Nick Jackson? No, it was Matt. Matt? It doesn't seem like a formidable thing at this point that Marty's going to sign with AEW. He can't say that. I know, I, I know he can't, but – of course. Listen, the pact is serious. I mean, crap. We when we were at you know in Vegas, I remember I even had the discussion with them because they. I don't know if you guys remember. I was wearing my Marty shirt the day that we saw you know Cody and Brandy and all those guys and Young Bucks. The day you met me, me, John. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Historic day. Yes. Yes, very historic day. But yes. to me, even Dave said it to me. They're like, oh, we, we tried to bring him in and everything, and he, that he, that, well, that he don't like the food in Japan or something. Huh? And they told him that they, he, he didn't, I don't know if it was the food, I don't remember what it was. It's been a couple months now, since, you know, since all that. But all I'm going to say is this. To me, at this point, even though I know they can't specifically say it, I think it's kind of a formidable thing at this point that Marty's going to sign with AEW. No one's arguing that. I, at this point, I mean, at this point, I'd be surprised, or I, let me rephrase that, I'd be stunned if Marty signs with NXT. It will not happen. Oh, I, I don't care that his girlfriend's there. I don't care that he lives in Orlando. It will not happen. No, I, I can't see it happening. Everybody in that pact has kept true to their word. He will not do something different. No. no, let's. I guess now we have about a half hour left. <laughs> uh, I just want to bring up something really quick. I, yeah, go, go, go. I'm scrolling through my Instagram and I'm on the AEW uh, page here, and their first announcement for Full Gear: Moxley versus Omega. Yep. That. And I'm glad you called it by that name and not the name that Joey Janela said tonight on Twitter. What did he call it? He called it Full Hard On. <laughs> Which Cody replied with an emoji of a guy holding a hand over his face. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> So that Baltimore short show is going to be pretty hot. I don't know if you two got the emails from StarCast for yeah, I did. early, yeah, those early tickets. Same here. If you're, yeah. yeah, okay, so you guys are good to go. I, I posted them 
and, and those special admin chats that I got, letting those people know, hey, you want to know how I got my hands on so many tickets for Double or Nothing? Here you go. That's it. Okay, now now compete with everyone who's trying to try to buy. <laughs> what is it? The platinum bracelets. The platinum. Yeah. Yeah. Platinum bracelets for. And it, it's a good little pro. Uh, a good little, I guess, package there, through Starcast. So, kudos to them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, but I guess it's time now to talk about that other company from Connecticut. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, I guess Jeremy's not going to like the next comment I'm about to say because we're about to talk about your favorite wrestler. Brock Lesnar? Oh, God. Yeah. I know where you're going, John. Just you cover the news, do what you got to do, man. I can take we finally, it. We finally saw a heel turn, and I question marked that big time, of Bailey. Now, as you guys heard in the interview, I asked Dennis, and Dennis can buy Bailey turning heel. I can buy it as well if she wasn't currently your SmackDown champion and set to go off against Charlotte for the title at the Clash of Champions. Because I don't know if you guys saw SmackDown this week, but I would I want to see SmackDown because I'm curious to see how they were going to explain her reason for basically turning on Becky. And she, to me, was still coming off as a baby face. But, Cruz, we'll start with you on this. What were your thoughts on the on the supposed, I guess you can question mark it, heel turn of Bailey? You know, I, I, I just don't like it. I don't like her as a heel. I, I can get... I can get with her being aggressive. If, if you allow her to get aggressive, that's fine. Uh, doing, going in this trajectory just it feels so unnatural for her character. The recipe that got her over was that joyful, fun, loving, sort of hugger kind of personality, good for the kids, a good feel-good character, right? A feel-good yeah. character. That's what made her special in NXT, and that's what she should have been the whole freaking time. But they kept messing around with her. They got her into cringe storylines with Sasha Banks, you know, stupid stuff with Alexa Bliss and Bailey. This is your life, and relegated her down to you know like let's totally forget about the fact that she main evented NXT Takeover, and they just treated her like garbage for so long. I, I just don't think. The only the only silver lining here is that her and Sasha Banks are now in sync. So yeah, we could see that dynamic playing out a little bit more. That that's yeah. pretty much what I got to say about that. I, I don't like it. All right, Jeremy, what are your thoughts on it? Oh, my opinion on the Great Bailey. Um. Listen, her character was designed for NXT, for that small full-sale audience with the wacky inflatables, and they got to know her, and she got to know them. It did not translate to the main roster on on every level. And she did the Edge and Christian podcast a few years ago, 
and she said this wasn't her natural personality. She said, "Well, I decided I wanted to do this because, you know, WWE wanted someone to reach out to the young girl demographic." And then she said, "Well, you know, if they ever want me to go heel, I'm not opposed to it." Because one of the reasons they they slow played her main roster debut was they really felt she could be the John Cena of the women's division. Mm-hmm. That there was so much money to be made there in her. It never transpired. This this was never in their immediate plans, I don't think. She's not going to be a good heel. I don't think she has it in her. The pro- to me, you're She's kind of a jerk, so maybe she can pull it off. It's more her natural ability. But I don't know. It's not going to move the needle one way or another. No, I, no absolutely not. No. The one thing I let, I kind of try to trust, if they were really going this route about solidifying her as a heel, what they should have done was they should have brought Izzy. Cause, you know, the, the fan who's become like, you know, who, who I, last I heard is trained to become Yeah, I, I know her in the family. They should have had her, they, Matt Camp on Bust Open made this point, and I agree with him. They should have had Bale, uh, they should have had Izzy gotten flown to wherever SmackDown was this week. Had her sit in the front row, and had Bailey do had some interaction with her, because then that would have been the way to solidify her as a heel. But like, so like you're I saying said, WWE missed the ball on something? Yeah, it's not really breaking news. They never do that. <laughs> no, no, I can't remember last time they did that. But. But it's going to hurt her in the long run because she's made a fortune off these lame shirts. Yeah. What are well, you going to make for her now? But then that's I'm why I don't a... understand this move because yeah, it, her, it's, her it's employers know that. Yeah, it, it's it, if you're going to pull off tactics like this, you're going to you're going to put a steel chair to Becky Lynch's back on Monday Night Raw. Uh, how, how does that translate with little children, little girls? Who are wearing her shirts and buying her hugger stuff, this, that, the other. Right, and she doesn't there, have there, a personality there is no to pull it off like a Becky Lynch. She doesn't yeah, have and, that. And you know what, John? The, the thing is that there is no Be- Bella Twins anymore, right? No. So this girl filled that slot for for a lot of these little kids. So that's that's why I don't that's why I don't like this. I, I don't think this is going to work. And if you look at her, she's at least the fourth best heel in the company now. <laughs> if not lower, so it's not like she got the top heel spot. And all right, let's see how this goes. She's below Sasha. She's even below Blackie. She's below Charlotte. It, it's pointless. And we're also we're, we're forgetting another thing. Also, she's set to defend the title. Like I said before, and I'll reiterate this again. She's set to defend the title in Charlotte against Charlotte. At Clash of Champions. Is, is that going to be check- Charlotte's chance? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can already hear. I can already see people complaining about it. Complaining about what? About Charlotte winning the belt again. Uh, not me. She's the no, best I'm in the sure. world. Okay, we can get into an argument about that because I, I disagree, but we can get into an argument. We have before, John, and it, we I will revisit at some point, I'm sure. Oh, I know. But I know there was another thing we wanted to get to, which I actually got to with Dennis a little bit, and that's the Bray Wyatt, the Fiend, 
school, mm-hmm. as we found out on Monday, will be challenging the winner of Braun Strowman and Seth Rollins for the Universal title at Hell in the Cell. Now, Jeremy, I know you had mentioned to me earlier that you you were a proponent of this. You were for him going after the title. Bray Wyatt? Yeah, we spoke yeah. we spoke off uh, off air last night. I, I was because our issue WWE they sometimes they just don't pull the trigger on somebody. They slow play him for so long. I, I say you strike while the iron's hot. Bray Wyatt is hot, and I think this match will just suit him so much in the buildup. Whoever he goes against, uh, yeah, I think so. It's a little early, but we all know who Bray Wyatt is. I'm all for it. My issue, actually, Cruz, let's go with you before I get to mine, because I have a bit of an exclamation. But Cruz, what about you? Do you think it's too early for the theme to go after the title? Well, I'm not a fan of rushing people like that. I would definitely like to see them go on a, on a winning streak. Um, he is the hottest thing on Monday Night Raw. I think we can, the three of us can agree on that. Absolutely. I think they're going to, if I was Vince McMahon, I would use him in the main event. Uh, would he win? I, I would tell you what, he would not lose. He would not be embarrassed. Uh, but I, I would have preferred if they would have taken their time, given him a long, I mean, good win streak where he's just dominating people left and right and then put the bell on but then again you know what they they're, they're they never do anything new and different why not I'm just against it for one big reason exactly exactly that's always been our biggest complaint what Cruz just said so they're going to get the grain a little I'm gonna say something here John you know what? The hell with it. I, I'm actually not that I heard myself speaking about this. Um, the hell with it. I hope they run with it and put the belt on him and get it off of that other idiot who isn't doing anything for ratings or what have you. <laughs> that whole that whole debacle of bullshit. Sacrificing you know, Brock Lesnar for someone to put someone over who sh- should have been over four years ago. But whatever. Let put the belt on someone new, someone interesting. Yep. I, I'm I'm against this for one big reason. Let's say at Clash Champion Strowman wins, and he defeats Rollins in a decisive matter. You would then you would then you would then basically make Strowman a, tra- a transitional champion? Ask yourself something. What What is the likelihood that Braun Strowman is going to win the universal title after they just spent the entire summer, summer, they spent from before WrestleMania through the summer building him up? I don't know because I've I've read reports that Paul Hammond is a huge fan of Strowman and apparently he's in line for a big push. I don't know if this is going to be that big push. Well, it has to start somewhere. Could be. Well, then, Never know. 
But but here's here's another thing for you, John. Braun Strowman has never held a mid card title, has he? No. Not not to my recollection. He's never held a U.S. title, an Intercontinental champ. We don't know how he would be as a champion. How the fans would react to him? Are they going to lay him out on him three weeks later and boo him? So you see this rushing people to the top. <laughs> mm. That, but my issue is this though. It's almost similar to when they put the belt on Ronda too quickly. Not saying that Ronda didn't deserve the belt, but you you put the belt on Wyatt now. You're Ooh, essentially. But it didn't work out when they put the belt on Ronda that quick. Well, she made a lot of money for the company and sold a lot of tickets. And yeah, but the ratings were higher. Yeah, we're on it. But she moved the needle. Up. But isn't he also doing the same thing to an extent? Bray Wyatt? On the numbers. Well, no, I'm saying as far as he's he's selling a lot of merchandise to him, so he's making the money. But yeah, my of course. But my thing is this, though. You put him, you put the belt on him now. You're essentially pigeonholing yourself that to take the belt off of him quickly would be pointless and would kill any run that he has. Unless, no, if you, yeah. put, if you yeah. put the belt on Bray, my thing would be this. If you're going to go the route of Braun getting the belt at Clash of Champions, then have him go on a run. How do you then, know we get a real finish? Remember, the Bray Wyatt fiend demonic character really doesn't care about winning and losing. It's about inflicting punishment. So maybe Hell in a Cell, they don't have a true finish. He destroys his opponent. Something happens. Continue it another time. Prolong it. Oh, I, I, the Firefly Funhouse Bray wants to win the title. The Fiend, yeah. it's about punishment. Oh, no, I get that. But to me, winning... I'm, I'm talking about it now and thinking about it now, it really... I see what you guys say, but I just... No, you. I get you. It would be a waste if you had Braun Strowman win the Universal title and then like a month later lose it to Bray Wyatt because Bray Wyatt is the hottest star. My first question would, would be, why don't you just have Seth lose it to Bray directly, you know, and send Braun back to the mid-card, right? But the same scenario can be flipped around on Bray Wyatt here. Why should he win the belt if Braun is going to win it just a month earlier? Are you going to sacrifice Bray Wyatt to either Seth, who doesn't need it, or Braun Strowman? Well, my thing would be is this. And like I, we were, I was, when I was talking to Dennis about it before, and he kind of made the point. You have it where Strowman wins the belt, and you have Strowman go on a run. But okay. periodically... But something between Bray and Braun. Where then where then the end result is all of a sudden also we get a match because we also haven't seen yes, we've seen the fiend in action at SummerSlam. Are they just gonna stick with the fiend and not have it be Jekyll and Hyde 
where then we see Bray Wyatt in the Bray ring Wyatt without, without the mask. I, you know, that's a that's an interesting point. I I assumed that they were going to go that route with the split personality sort of thing. So the Firefly Funhouse character would would you know Bray in a red sweater <laughs> would be out there wrestling. Right. And a lot's going to depend what happens this week at the contract signing because Stone Cold's going to be there, and there's rumors that they're going to have Bray attack Stone Cold. Ooh. Well, that, my and Stone Cold really has not been physically attacked since he's left. Yeah, but my my thing is, and I and I stick to this. What I think, almost you could you could almost do something similar with Ray that they did with Sid, just a little better, as far as with the demons. You can have Ray come out every so often without the mask and actually have a match. But then also, like, let's say something doesn't go right. Or also in the middle of the match, he starts to hear things in his head. You can really take this and really go really dark with this if you want. You know what? I, I guess I would like the idea of the main, the main event title picture continuing on. Till that story is resolved, Bray Wyatt acting as a peripheral character and then slowly getting into it with either Braun or Seth or whoever they decide to go with. Uh, and if I remember correctly, during Mankind's build-up to, to uh, that what was it that Hell in a Cell match with the Undertaker. Mankind and The Undertaker did not directly see each other all the time, and not even every month, but they were oftentimes doing promos against each other. They would get in the ring. Sometimes Mankind would inter- interfere with, with uh, The Undertaker's matches. The storyline continued for several months until we got the big payoff at that, at that match, right? So I could see something like this happening. Long term, uh, but you continue building up Bray Wyatt by putting him in matches and having him win, win, win. Keep him separate from Braun or whoever you decide to go with. Seth, Seth Rollins, fine. Win, win, win until that big payoff match and make it in the Survivor Series or Royal Rumble. It don't, it don't matter. Honestly, I even go a step further. I would have. Their first, their first interaction, be at the Rumble. I would not let them touch before the Rumble. Then, then you can have it. Well, all of a sudden, let's say Strowman is the Universal Champion. Let's hypothetically speaking, let's say Strowman is the champion, come out of Clash of Champions. And also he's having these matches, he's having these matches, but all of a sudden then the lights start going out. And you think the fiend's going to come and attack. But then also the lights come mm-hmm. back on, but the fiend's not there. So then... Okay, what's going on? But you can then really almost play to the psychological side of this 
where you can all of a sudden have it where Strowman isn't sure what to do anymore. And then you can have Wyatt cut some sort of promo where he's like, you may be the champion now, but there's going to be a greater power who's going to come after you down the road. So who would be the heel here? Right. It would have to be Bray. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. You say he's going to play the mind game with him. Yeah, exactly. Like a psycho, psycho, head. So like a psycho, like a psycho horror gimmick. Yeah. That's actually hell yeah! Isn't that what Undertaker's about? <laughs> Kane was about that too. Yeah, Kane. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're rehatching Attitude Era stuff. Yeah, just modernizing a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring back some right, of those let's... gimmick matches. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Believe me. Believe me. Also, like I always say, WWE, if you listen in and you go to shout, just give us credit. That's all I ask. <laughs> give, give, give us money. Ask where they can give us AEW tickets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but let's go quickly now to the PWI top 100, because only 100 of the names came out. And some of these were kind of surprising. For example, we'll get to the top 10 in a minute, but like I'll read you some of the other names. Um, for example, number 52 on the list is Marty Skrull. Number... Just going through the list quickly here. 69 was Matt Riddle. 71 was PCO. 74 was Cesaro. 75 and 76 were Young Bucks. Uh, Austin Theory made it to the list. He was number 80. Um, somehow Zeus made the list at number 91. And Zack Ryder made the list at number 100. Zack Ryder. Good for him. All right. right. Well, here's, here's the top ten. Woo, woo, woo. At number ten was Wool Offspray. Number nine was Hiroshi Tanahashi. But here's where the list gets interesting. At number eight was Kenny Omega. Number seven was Roman Reigns. Number six was Johnny Gargano. Number five was Okada. Number four was Kofi Kingston. What? Number th- Hold on. Sorry. AJ, AJ Styles was number three. Number two was Daniel Bryan. And the number one superstar, according to PW Insider, P- Pro Wrestling Illustrated, was Seth Rollins. Big news. Kofi <laughs> Kingston ahead of Kenny Omega. Come on. <laughs> I don't see how people put much stock in that list and then it's a uh, joke. go in and yeah, then go in and insult uh, 
Dave Meltzer with his star rating. You know. But then what's <laughs> like, funny is, here's what's you. funny. Moxley made the list at number 20. Hmm. And Chompa hmm. made the list as well. He was number 13. Oh, let's see here. Juice Robinson made the list at number 32. So, yeah. Top 10 right there. Number one is Seth Rollins. Uh, he may not be, as we can get into this another time. He may not be yeah. the right option. But if you look at what he's done this year. It kind of not made sense, but sort of, I guess. So you just want to get Cruz upset. Let's not go this route, man. No, no, it's no. fine. It's fine. It's a, it's a fun list. It's a fun it's kayfabe politics, list. Yeah. 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 It's fine. It's cool. They pushed him hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's all I'm leaving it as. We can get to another time as far as you know. Oh, I'm not revisiting this. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> All right, well... If, we if they were credible, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have about five minutes left, and I have one last question to ask you guys before we want a final thought. The king of the ring, right? No, we... we no. No. So. <laughs> we, the last two months, had been titling it as the summer of wrestling. Now that the summer of wrestling is over, who would we say won the summer of wrestling? Jeremy, we'll go with you first on this. I mean, my answer might come as a shock to everyone that's listening, but I definitely think it was AEW. I know, I know, surprise. But listen, I think WWE spent all summer trying to play catch up to them and worried about what they were doing. New Japan, amazing summer with the G1. I take nothing away from it. I think what hurt them a little bit was the Dallas show didn't really have the crowd that it should have had. That would have put them in the mix a little bit more. And I think AEW for having, what, two shows? Three shows? Yeah, three shows. Kept constant momentum, constant buzz with social media and their YouTube and how they timed announcements and just everything just, just so perfectly culminating this past weekend. So, for me, it's AEW, hands down. All right, Cruz, what about you? So, I'm going to have to concur with Jeremy. All Elite Wrestling <clears throat> came out with Double or Nothing, Guns a Blazing, and they have not gone down in the slightest bit. Each of their shows are highly buzzed delivers the goods in the ring with what they're doing on being the elite the road to each of these shows they revolutionized how wrestling com- companies use social media excellent and then of course they started off the summer red hot and they finished the summer red hot you got to give it to them no no other company had that consistency uh and new japan you know, excellent rating <clears throat> as far as in the ring that Dallas show was a problem, and you know, Royal Quest not being on New Japan World is a problem that they're going to have to address 
all these U.S.-based events that are not on that medium of distribution is BS. But yeah, WWE, you know, probably the worst company. NXT is better than them. The Ring of Honor falls below NXT. Okay, well, John? since we got... All right. I guess we're going to go to the trifecta here. To me, AEW gets the win here. They haven't even had a TV show yet. And I said this, I've said this often, and I, and I stick to this. They have single-handedly changed the wrestling landscape. It, I don't think we've ever seen a promotion have such an effect like AEW has. And they've only had three shows this summer. Spider Fest, Fight for the Fallen, and obviously this past weekend with All Out. I would say a close second. I would. I'm gonna go out of limb here. I'm gonna say MLW. Wow. Because they really they put on good shows. They're set to have a sh- uh, couple of shows in in the Dallas area. I think next week for like their version of War Games. Which will see the return of the Von Erich faction. And then, yeah, you know, there's every other promotion. But, final thoughts now. Jeremy, we'll start with you. What are your thoughts? I just am so happy with what AEW is doing. I know we were just talking about it. But how you talked about not having a TV deal and keeping that buzz going, it was unbelievable. I mean, they've done everything right, and I they finish a show, and I can't wait for the next one. There's none other company that has that complete effect on me. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't say that better. Cruz, what about you? I just thought that the 31st was just an awesome day. Royal Quest started the day off red hot. Uh, NXT TakeOver Cardiff came in about an hour later. Watching both was <laughs> very busy and hectic. It was very good shows. And then TakeOver just gave us that wonderful Walter Tyler Bate match, which was phenomenal. Uh, uh, just something that they should be proud of over there. But it wasn't enough to outshine All Out. I thought All Out was the best uh, pay per view of the entire summer. So. Yeah, man. Now, 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 Chris Jericho is back on top. Back, and that is my final thought. No matter where he goes, Japan, the main events. WWE main events. AEW main events. Did his carry the cruiserweight division in WCW? Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. And has the best uh, crews out there. <laughs> and has the best crews. Final thoughts for me, it was a hell of a weekend, it was a hell of a summer, but now we get to look to the fall. We'll have NXT start their run on USA Network in two weeks, obviously AEW starts their run on TNT in less than a month. We'll have all the latest on everything. Uh, I want to thank Dennis for joining the show tonight, again his show is called the Wrestling Perspective Podcast. His first episode dropped tonight with his new ho- his new co-host, Eli Drake. Also, stay tuned because somebody from this show may be on their show at some point, being me. 
Um, other than that, I feel like the show tonight went, went was great. Next week, we have a rather big guest. I'm actually going to confirm it with him in the next couple of days. But if everything goes as well, Bill Alfonso will be joining the show next week. Former ECW manager, so it'll be nice to talk to him for a bit and get some old school stories. But again, guys, great show tonight. Can't wait to do it again next week. So, for so for Cruz, Jeremy, and yours truly, it's been a blast tonight. We will talk to you guys next week, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. right here on Caveman Radio Network. If you want to catch the replay of the show, you certainly can. Go to Google Play or iTunes where you can get all of our stuff there, and we'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>